Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. With that rebellious, sinful nature, you know what? In 20 years, only the police and the prison system will be able to deal with that. The Greek word behind this, again, it is a contempt. For the law. It can be used uh, for moral law. It can be used for uh, the laws of any nation or a city. But it is also very easily used in the ideas of God's law. It's the quality or state of being unrestrained. Isn't it interesting that we are living now in a generation that says, Don't restrain me with all of your old fuddy-duddy traditions and ideas of how things used to be. The idea that marriage is simply between one man and one woman. How old-fashioned is that? We throw off the restraints. First, it was people who said, oh, we don't need to get married in order to have intimate relationships. Oh, throw that away. That is not a realistic Come on, we're living in a real world and we throw off that restraint. We threw it off in America in the 60s and 70s, didn't we? And because there was an increase in sexual immorality, well then, there was also an increase in unwanted pregnancies. Well, we, we figured out a way to deal with that, didn't we? We threw off the restraint that babies have value, that they are precious in the eyes of God. And we threw off that, re- that law that says life is precious. And we legalized abortion, and here we are, uh, almost 50 years later, and we've murdered 61 million babies in the womb. We threw off the restraint, didn't we? And then, in more recent times, uh, there's been an attack against marriage itself. The attack that says, oh, the old restraints... A man can marry another man. A woman can marry a woman. What's the big problem? Love is love, they say. Throw off the restraints. Lawlessness, I tell you, if you go to any rally, or you see it on television, or you see on the news, I want to tell you, when you see people who are uh, filled with the spirit of lawlessness, do you know what you'll see? You'll see cold hearts. You'll see passion that has gone cold. People who are willing to throw off the restraints. Living in lawlessness, I tell you, it is like living in a poisonous environment. I don't know if you've seen this recently, but uh, Elon Musk, the owner of uh, SpaceX, and he's got big plans to send a million people to Mars by the year 2050. 
And he's put all these plans in place. But it's interesting to me, he has no plans to send anybody to Venus. Do you know why? Because Venus is a poisonous environment. Mars, of course, is no walk in the park, but at least we could create habitats there and sustain life in some way. But, you know, you could not do that on Venus. It's a poisonous environment. The, the, uh, they say that the atmosphere there is like 90% carbon monoxide. You take one breath, your lungs would shrivel up. That's what it's like, beloved, to live in lawlessness. To live in constant rebellion against the laws of God and of nature's God. The reason that hearts grow cold is because of this right here. You've seen uh, C.S. Lewis or you've read his book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes? Chronicles of Narnia. Well, you remember that when, we, uh, we, when, you, uh, when you encounter Narnia for the first time, as the children come in through the wardrobe, that all of this amazing land is under a spell. A spell that has been cast by the witch. And it's interesting that the way he described it was that it was always winter, never Christmas. Right? It was this terrible, uh, constant state of cold and drudgery. And I love that description that, you know, the only redeeming quality of winter in the Western world is Christmas, man, this joyful holiday. But in Narnia, it was always winter, never Christmas. What a drag. That's what it's like living under the effects of lawlessness. It will put your heart on ice. It'll put compassion on ice. You ever wonder why people uh, turn cold? Because they've been hurt? They've been burned? Somebody has crossed them? And now they're going to take it out on everyone else. They're going to cast off restraints. We have biblical uh, accounts of someone who grew cold in 1 Samuel 25. Watch this account here about a man named Nabal. Now Abigail went to Nabal and there he was holding a feast in his house. Like the feast of a king, Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was drunk. Therefore she told him nothing until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine was gone from Nabal, his wife told him all these things, that his heart died within him and became like a stone. And then it happened after ten days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So you know the story behind Nabal. It was this exact thing that he cast off the restraints. David, who is this David? Who is this man? I don't need to to take care of him or his men. I don't need to do what's right in that situation. Those men who protected me and my flocks and my herds. I don't, need to, I don't need to show any compassion or care or concern. Who is this David? There's lots of slaves who run away from their masters these days. You remember his evil words that he spoke about David? No wonder his heart grew cold. Because he cast off restraint. 
See, whenever we cast off the restraint that God has put on us, the effect is a chilling, cold heart. Ezekiel 18, verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. What greater, uh, you know, what greater effect of a cold heart ultimately results in death? Right? As soon as somebody's, somebody dies, their body immediately begins to cool off. It cannot carry any longer the normal uh, uh, body temperature. And from 98 degrees, it goes quickly. 97, 96, 95, 80, 70, until room temperature. Cold-hearted. It's a sign of death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. James 1.14 said that each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You know, there is a, there's an endangered species in the Christian world. The passionate, on-fire believer. They're going extinct anymore. It's sad to say, but hearts are growing cold. What about you? It happens when we throw off the restraints, the convictions that we once had as new believers. We used to be so on fire for God that we couldn't keep our face off of His book. Now all we can see is Facebook. It used to be that we we couldn't stay out of prayer. We, we, We were constantly, like the Apostle Paul says, praying always. And now we can't find time to pray. Can't find time to speak to the Lord. And hear Him speak to you. I ask you tonight, is your heart chilled? Is it on ice? Is it growing cold? The way you can tell tonight is when you have thrown off restraint. Oh, that's not a big deal. Pastor, come on, that's for new converts. Come on, that's for old-fashioned. Throwing off restraints. What happens is, as Jesus predicted, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I want to talk to you quickly tonight about some of the things that we lose love for. Love is lost. Number one, love is lost for the Father. The Father who created us. The Father who chose us in Him. The Father to whom we have been begotten. The one who has received us into his family by the blood of Jesus. The Father, our love to him grows cold. If it happens in your family, if it happens in your home, and you begin to lose respect for the leader of the home, you know, the the world loves to poke fun at the Father. If you want to find the, the, the stupidest person on TV, it's always the dad, isn't it? The stupidest, bumbling idiot who can't make sense out of anything. It's always dad. Because we've lost love for the Father in our culture. What, does it, what effect does that have? 
it plays out, doesn't it? It plays out when, when we can't trust Dad anymore, when we, we, we think that he's on to us, we think that he's somehow evil or stupid. We have that same attitude toward our God in heaven. The family begins to break apart when we lose love for the Father. Secondly, we lose love for Christ. The Christ, who, the same one who loved us and gave himself for us. What would happen tonight if our love for Jesus would grow cold? Aren't you glad that his love for you never grew cold? Aren't you glad that as he faced the cross, his love, his passion for you never grew cold? And yet, when we face hardships, and when we face difficulties, and when we face bills that need to be paid, and when we face problems, the same one that we should be running to is who we begin to run from. Can you be honest tonight and see if there's any part of you that is beginning to lose love for Christ? Do you know what happens when your heart is on ice? You can't sing right. You can't pray right. You can't live right. You can't show compassion right. Something's off. All of a sudden, you begin to think more of yourself than about your neighbor, about your friends, about your co-brothers and sisters in the house of God. All of a sudden, your boss and your customer take priority. When you lose love for Christ, your heart grows cold. You remember what Jesus said, how we ought to love Him? How we ought to love the Lord our God? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord. Mark 12, 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first commandment. Don't talk to me about all of your religious deeds and and wonderful things you've accomplished if you're losing love and your heart's on ice. This is where it begins. The first commandment. Jesus, He rebuked the church in Revelation and said, return, return to your first love. Your heart's being pulled away, casting off restraint. Lawlessness abounds and hearts grow cold. When we lose love for the Father, we lose love naturally for the, for the Son. Do you know what results? It's we, we lose love for the truth. We begin to lay hold to lies. And we begin to receive them as if they were the truth. John 1 verse 14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory... The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, and He was full of grace and truth. I love that balance tonight. Jesus full of grace and full of truth. The the grace to receive sinners, but the truth that they can't remain sinners. Right? Grace and truth. Some people fall off the side of the wagon into into, a dangerous form of grace, a slippery and, and, and nasty form of grace that, that allows anything, that will not judge sin. 
But there's also the other side of the, of the wagon where we can fall into this uh, hypocritical, pharisaical, this legalistic love of only truth without grace. And you know what happens to those people? They drive everybody away. I'm going to heaven all by myself. <laughs> but Jesus did not come holding only to grace, but also to truth. When we lose our passions, when we lose our convictions, what happens is we begin to lose our love for the things that are true in life. And finally, we lose our love for people. This is how we see it in our own lives. Don't have time to help people anymore. Don't have time to be kind to anybody See, I can tell how much you love the Lord, how much you love Jesus by the way that you treat other people. I don't want to I don't I don't want to hear about how much you love Jesus if you, you know, if you don't have time to help people, to care about them the way Jesus did. People in the church, yes, our brothers and sisters, we're called to love one another. The world should be able to look at us and say, "We are Christ's disciples." Because of our love for one another. Did I read that scripture right? Am I the only one? Is that only in my Bible? We ought to care for one another, right? By this we know love because He laid down His life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Lay down our lives. That means my, uh, my priorities have to take into account the needs of my brothers and sisters. When we lose love, when we grow in lawlessness, our hearts begin to grow cold toward each other. I don't need to talk to them. I'll, I'll, I'll just see them in church. I'll shake their hand, but you know I'm not going to get close to anybody. That's the megachurch model, Right? See you next Sunday, but don't talk to me. And if we can't care about one another in the church, then how in the world are we supposed to care about the world? Sinners who are on their way to hell, like you used to be. Listen to what C.S. Spurgeon said. He said, if the church has no love to the dying sons of men, then what is she worth? Where will be her missionary operations? What will be the use of her ministry? Think of Sunday schools without love toward children. Think of people pretending to win souls who have no love for them and do not care whether they're lost or saved. Can the church sustain a worse loss than the losing of her fervent love for dying men? And yet, if iniquity abounds, this is the great risk we run. Compassionate love will cease to minister to man's miseries oh you gotta love Spurgeon when lawlessness abounds love grows cold and the world suffers see love ought to be at the center of everything we do not not the touchy-feely kind of love that the world promotes but the love that is willing to sacrifice that Christ taught us about so what is needed? 
In verse 13, we have the answer. Scripture in context, it says uh, once again, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But, aren't you thankful for the buts of Scripture? But he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is not a unique phrase in the Word of God. Again and again we read it over and over. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And Do you know why that is so interesting? It means tonight that endurance is not guaranteed. It is not automatic. It is not sign on the dotted line and you've got your golden ticket, right? It is not, uh, it is not just uh, lay back and enjoy the ride, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times because this train's going straight to Jesus. We do have security in our faith, but I want to tell you tonight, Jesus is interested in endurance. He's looking for endurance. Listen to the importance of our endurance. Matthew 10.22 All the nations will hate you because you're my followers. You never saw that one stitched onto a pillow. You never heard that on a positive and encouraging K-love. All nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Mark 13, 13. Everyone will hate you. (laughs) What an encouraging sermon, Pastor. Everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Luke 8, 15. The seeds that fell on good soil represent the honest, good-hearted people. And those who cling to it, the Word of God, will patiently produce a harvest. Romans 2.7 He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. Hebrews 3.6 Christ as the Son is in charge of God's house and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope. If we are faithful. That's a big if. If we are faithful to the end then we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Do you hear the Word of God if you endure, if you continue, if you persist? Do you know why it says that so often and so many times? Because not everybody does. Not everybody persists. Not everybody endures. Endurance, beloved, is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not something you generate in your own strength. Endurance to live for God. Endurance to keep believing even when all, all hope is lost. Endurance to keep giving even when you think you can't give anymore. Endurance to keep praying even when you can't hear His voice. Endurance to continue in that little church even when it looks like, oh man, it's just a waste of time. Endurance! Will you endure? It's a fruit of God's Spirit. It is not something for the faint of heart. Endurance, beloved, is needed. 1 Corinthians 1.8 He will keep you strong to the end. 
that's, that's good preaching. The he in that scripture is not Pastor Adam. Thank God. The he in that scripture is not Billy Graham. I love Billy Graham, but you know, Billy Graham's not with us anymore. We need somebody else to keep us strong. He is not President Trump either. Do you know who the he is? It's Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end. And I want to tell you, the Spirit of God that will keep you in endurance, that will keep your heart soft and pliable, that will keep you on fire for God even when it's cold all around you, that Spirit rests on someone who is open and willing to receive who is not offended by the restraints of God. Lord, I want you to control my life. We sing the song, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. And then we spend the rest of our week saying no. No, Lord. Not so, Lord. We just read in our Bible reading plan when Jesus speaks about going to the cross and Peter turns around and says, Not so, Lord. Not so. You're not going to go to the cross. Far be it from you, Jesus. Jesus didn't take kindly to that, did He? He said, Get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to listen to that idea of lawlessness throwing off the restraints of God's will. So what do we do to endure tonight? Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Can I tell you, this is what real love looks like. Real love is not what Hollywood shows us. Real love is not something you find on Valentine's Day in the pink aisle. Real love is the willingness to endure to the end. (laughs) I will be with you to the end. Right? I promise, through sickness and health. That's endurance. When you look nice and when you don't. When you can see your toes and when you can't anymore. I'll be with you. No matter what. That's what real love is. The willing to endure. To sacrifice. I pray tonight that the fire of God would melt away cold hearts tonight. Hearts that have allowed lawlessness to creep in. Somewhere you've been compromising. You've been dabbling in sin. And the effect is layers. Cold. If we're not careful, we become like places like Antarctica. Yes, there is ground. There is a soft ground somewhere, but you know, it's buried under layer after layer after layer of frozen snow and ice. It never thaws. That might be you tonight. 
you never allow the Spirit of God to break through, to melt away the sadness and the pain and the hurt, to begin to bring healing. I wonder tonight, can God speak to you? Can God thaw out frozen hearts in this place tonight? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we bring this service to an end. And as God begins to touch hearts in this place. My prayer this evening is that there be somebody who would hear this message and recognize areas of your heart that have grown cold. Places where you used to be passionate, filled with zeal. We're going to talk about zeal in our Bible study on Friday night. Don't miss out on that. But places you recognize where you used to be on fire. People would, would even notice. Why are you so excited? Now nobody notices your excitement. Nobody notices any passion in you. Instead, you've grown cold. You've lost love. For the things which used to fill you with passion tonight. My prayer. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.